0: So here we are, another day off and running. How are you doing, man? Doing all right? Surviving? Hmm? 8 a.m., Atlantic Daylight Time, the Early Bird Podcast Sessions, Stefan Maya with you at Boom. That's how that works. Today, are all divorced persons eligible to remarry? Well, that's a good question. And once again, we decided to go see our friends over at ApologeticsPress.org. I can't plug them in enough. I love them dearly for their material. Very truthful. Very truthful. Helped me a great deal back in 2011 now. Wow. Seems like yesterday at times. And at times it seems like so long ago. The galaxy fall, far away. Uh, our friends, yeah, over at ApologeticsPress.org. They have an article there. We don't always go to uh, various ministries from the Brotherhood, but at times we do because, well, I think we should help each other out, right? Don't you think we should promote each other's works when they are good works? Yeah, I think so. They do a good work. They have a lot of wonderful information. They've done their studies, and uh, we want to read their material because their material points us to the same place. Where is that? The Bible. The Bible. I've done my studies as well, a decade plus strong now. It's not much, but it's a decade plus. Lord willing, I'll have another decade to come. And so as we read through this article, I at times share my thoughts and my studies uh, along with theirs, and it hopefully makes for um, some substance that can help you in your spiritual walk throughout this life. So all the information here is uh, for the greater good of the gospel. Praise his powerful name, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. Go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Like, share, comment, rumble, all that kind of good stuff. Please consider supporting this work. You support this work, you support the Added Souls Ministry. Support me and my family. To do what exactly? Well, to keep the Added Souls Ministry functioning. To keep us preaching and teaching. To keep us in the work of the mission, to do all the wonderful gospel things available. You want to support? Please do. You will have updates and reports, all of that good stuff. There are a few options for you. You can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com and you can, from there, choose the amount you are willing and able to support with each month. No amount is too small and no amount is too big. It goes for the work. It goes for what I've just told you. And it is a good thing. You can also donate through PayPal, my email address, addedsouls at gmail.com, or you can send a check. If you need an address, please send me an email. We'll have a conversation. I'll send you the address. Is that good? Because I do know Christians out there, faithful Christians, are always seeking a good work to partake in. Here it is. Here's your sign. Here's your opportunity. You want to have a video conversation? You want to have a phone conversation? Here I am. Transparent and public, whatever information you need to know, I will share it with you. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? Let me put the article here up on the screen. There we go. Oh, all right. My video feed at the bottom left, if I can slide in there. Are all divorced persons eligible to remarry? Our brother Dave Miller? is the author of this article. And of course, you see there, it's the apologeticspress.org website. Here we go. American civilization is experiencing significant moral decay. Now, of course, our brother Dave Miller is an American citizen and a very patriotic American Christian, and I applaud him for it. So he is going to speak with the agenda of the American uh, 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 citizenry, okay, the U.S. But please know from my vantage point here, or from my position more so accurately, not very vantage, but in my position over here on the east coast of Canada, it also certainly does involve Canada as a country as well. And we are probably a good, oof, maybe now, it used to be, I could, I could easily have said 10 years, 10 years ago, but now maybe just five years ahead of the U.S. in its moral degradation, its, um, sociopolitical decay into, you know, all the isms that are out there, sadly. But anyway, so just so you know that, all right, American civilization and Canadian civilization, is experiencing significant moral decay. Quote, traditional American values is the idea, right? In other words, values that were drawn from the Bible are being jettisoned by a sizable portion of the nation's citizenry. True indeed. Very accurate. This spiritual and social deterioration is nowhere more evident than in the breakdown and dissolution of the family. Spot on, brother. Spot on. The devil knows. The devil knows this. Destroy a godly family, the godly household, and uh, it's going to cause problems. It's going to cause problems. Divorce rates have consistently climbed to higher and higher levels. The marriage relationship no longer commands the respect it once did. This God-ordained institution, though originally intended to be held in honor and sanctity, has been significantly undermined and cheapened. And uh, Hollywood has certainly thrown the gas in that fire, if not started the fire, if you will. They are uh, a cesspool of uh, vomit, if you will, when it comes to deteriorating the household, the family unit. Male, female, husband, wife, children. The religious response to this situation generally has been accommodative, as many within the church find their own families adversely affected by divorce. It just is what it is in my own, and I'm sure in yours. We can count the divorce. They've been intimidated by two factors. Number one, the large numbers of divorced people. And number two, the emotional trauma associated with divorce. Quote, Rethinking their understanding of Bible teaching, they've decided to relax the high standards that God enjoined. The various viewpoints now available to those who wish to justify their marital decisions are legion, for we are many. Right? True indeed. Well written. To the point. Sadly, it seems we... We've done that, haven't we? Instead of keeping our courage, God's given courage to be upright, we've allowed ourselves to be contaminated and have softened our stance, our Bible stance regarding this very topic. And hey, with a growing culture and community of divorcees, the membership dwindles, and grows cold at the local church congregation, and so we, well, tend to relax too much so, and loosen a bit further than God would have ever intended or commanded, and so we just don't get involved with the, oh details, the details of marriage when it comes to Those who want to obey the gospel and those who are in the fold who have perhaps gone divorced a few times for unscriptural reasons. Anyways, a bit of my experience interjected in there from a bit of an excursion. Let's go back to the article. The clear teaching of the Bible is that God wants one man for one woman for life. Till death do us part, right? Genesis 2, 24, Matthew 19, 4, 5, and 6. From the very beginning, again, God set this forth. The only exception to this foundational premise was articulated by Jesus when he said a person is permitted to divorce, the original mate, only. There is only one condition, and that is for the specific reason of that mate's sexual infidelity, porneia, the physical, literal act of sexual fornication, sexual intercourse fornication. Then and only then may the in- innocent mate from uh, a second marriage with an eligible uh, an eligible partner, Matthew 19.9. Only then. That's the only time. There's no other reason. Now, don't be so dogmatic as to make the Bible say something it is not saying. There is instruction in the Bible, most certainly, for those of us who may be snared in a marriage union where there is abuse, physical, mental, whatever the case, God most certainly says you need to separate yourself from that toxic individual that you are now married to. And the purpose is, of course, to pierce, to challenge a repentance and perhaps a counseling and a renewing of the marriage. Sadly, at times, the delinquent, who has so chosen to be the delinquent and the abuser in the relationship, will go off and have affairs and practice what the Bible gives as an exception to divorce, which is fornication. Each case must be respected, individually autonomous, and the context of each uh, case must be looked into when it comes to the... Topic of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Consequently, back to the article. The primary thrust of Scripture as it pertains to marriage is quote, God hates divorce, end quote, Malachi 2.16. That's the nature of God. Though found in the Old Testament, it is bound for us today because it is the mind of God, and this very thing in his mind as his nature was from the very beginning and will be till the end. In fact, he permits it on only one ground. What? Divorce. We've looked at that. The, this divine aversion here, the next location of this article, this divine aversion to divorce refers specifically to divorce that occurs between two people who are scripturally married. Men and women who marry for the first time in their youth should so conduct themselves that they remain together. Learn life together. Learn selflessness together. For the other's well-being, first and foremost, this is me interjecting, of course, some of my experience and studies. God does not want that first marriage to dissolve. He's never intended it to be dissolved. He united it for it to be till death do us part. He hates it when these couples unscripturally divorce their scriptural marriage. It's a covenant. It is bound. Unscriptural divorce is the kind of divorcing that God hates. Yes, you can read in the Bible that God hates things. God is love, and a loving God hates sin. Sin will separate you and I from Him. He loves us so you can understand spiritually how our Father would hate sin, since sin, lawlessness, is the corrupt source which separates us, created in his image, from him. Do you not think, as a parent, I would hate anything that would get between me as a father and my child? Of course you would. You understand that. Okay, let's keep going. However, not all divorce is contrary to God's will. Jesus said an individual has permission to divorce the mate that commits fornication, Matthew 19, 9. So divorce for that innocent marriage, partner, is not sinful, you see. In Ezra's day, exiled Jews had formed illicit marriages and were required to sever those marriages, Ezra ten three and 11. Of course, refuting the fact that God hates divorce. So therefore, if you're already married to an unscriptural union, well, you should stay there because, well, Paul said so to the Corinthians and God in a various other manners and ways. No, 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 no. Put the brakes on. Put the brakes on. Let's not go and try to deviate from a rightly handled scripture. No, 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 no. Here we see the nature of God commanding marriages to be severed in Ezra 10, verse 3 and 11, for righteous reasons. Divorces in, in that instance was likewise not sinful, if you will. John the baptizer informed Herod that when he married Herodias, he was sinning and would have to dissolve the marriage, Mark 6, verses 17 and 18, Divorce, in that case, was not sinful. When Paul identified several Corinthian Christians as having previously been adulterers, 1 Corinthians 6-9, the putting away, in other words, divorce that would have been necessary to end their adultery in order to be, quote, washed and, quote, sanctified, 1 Corinthians six eleven, would not have been sinful. The same principle would have applied equally to all other forms of fornication mentioned in the context, including homosexuality. These scriptural examples show that not all divorce is wrong in God's sight. You see, there is indeed legitimate divorce when it comes to unscriptural union. Again, proving the point and refuting those who say, no, no, God hates divorce, so therefore I can remain in an adulterous union because God hates divorce. No, that's contradictory at best. And again, you would have a problem with a rightly handled scripture, the authority of the scripture, the inspiration therein. Okay? So it's not sinful to divorce when a union is sinful. (laughs) Okay. On the other hand, much of the divorcing that is occurring today is contrary to the will of God. Any person who divorces their scriptural spouse for any reason other than fornication is sinning in so doing. It just is what it is. They sin when they divorce. They sin on at least two accounts. First, they sin because they have divorced for some reason other than fornication. Second, they sinned because they violated the vows they took when they married. In other words, quote, until death do us part, end quote. In this divorced condition, in other words, having divorced for some reason other than fornication, the individual has placed himself in a predicament that comes under additional divine restrictions. Paul pinpointed those restrictions in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11, where he insisted that scripturally married couples ought not to divorce. However, should their marriage break up unscripturally, both are to remain unmarried. Some feel this verse does not refer to a technical divorce, but merely to a separation. Either way, their breakup, whether by separation or divorce, is contrary to God's will. And neither of the two is eligible to marry someone else. People are permitted to participate in marriage only insofar as God says they are eligible to do so. The Hebrews writer insisted that marriage and the sexual relationship that accompanies marriage is to be undertaken honorably. In other words, in accordance with God's regulations. To engage in marriage and the sexual relations that accompany marriage out of harmony with God's regulations is to be guilty of fornication and adultery. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Fornication, by definition, refers to illicit sexual intercourse. Adultery is one type of fornication and refers to the sexual relations between a man and a woman, at least one of whom has prior marital responsibilities. And please understand this. Not all adultery... uh, let Let me craft it the right way here. I don't want to misspeak the way it is form it it is formed in the scriptures um not all adultery demands fornication or how does it go now all fornication uh, i studied this and i'm having a hard time linking my neuropaths to the conclusion uh not all not everything that is adulterous uh Okay, now I got it. Okay, not everything. Fornication is not always adultery. There we go. Okay, fornication is not always adultery, but adultery does involve fornication in this account. And there is also, of course, the adultery of the heart, and that's a whole other discussion or topic to have. But anyways... I made a mess of that. <laughs> no worries. Let's go back to the article. Adultery is one type of fornication and refers to the sexual relations between a man and a woman, at least one of whom has a prior marital responsibilities. Adultery, by definition, derives its meaning on the basis of a person's prior marital connections. A person does not have to be married in order to please God and go to heaven. We need to understand that. All a person has to be is a Christian. Point blank. He does not have to be an elder, a deacon, or a preacher either. He or she does not have to be a father or a mother or a parent. These are relationships and and roles that God designed to be helpful to the human condition. Okay, we need to understand that. However, not everyone qualifies to fill these roles, and people can go to heaven without ever occupying these roles. So it is with marriage. All people must meet God's designated Prerequisites before marriage may be in honor, or maybe had in honor, in honor, okay? God nowhere promises anyone unlimited access to the marriage relationship. It's just not it's not a path we're allowed to follow. It, we must live within the boundaries of the instruction, which is love. Right? Notice then that in view of God's regulations, three categories of divorced persons are in a ineligible to remarry number one the person who committed fornication and was divorced for the for the for that act by his or her spouse okay that person can't can't marry Matthew 19 9 a number two the person who was unscripturally divorced in other words put away for some reason other than fornication by a spouse Matthew 19 9 b And number three, the person who was deserted by an unbelieving spouse, 1 Corinthians 7, verses 12 through 15. In these three instances, the divorced person is ineligible to remarry. Putting the entire matter positively, the only divorced person who is is illegible in God's sight to remarry, while the former mate is still living, Romans 7, 3, is the person who divorced his or her original mate for that mate's sexual unfaithfulness. Okay? Many people feel that such strict limitations are out of harmony with the grace, love, and forgiveness of God. They believe that such high standards make divorce the, quote, unpardonable sin. But this conclusion does not follow. People can be forgiven of mistakes they make in the realm of divorce and remarriage. Forgiveness is not the issue here. The issue is, can they remain in whatever marriage relationship they choose? Can they so sin that they forfeit their right to participate in a future marriage relationship? Jesus made the answers to these questions clear in his distinction, or his discussion, sorry, in Matthew 19, verses 1 through 12. All people who divorce their scriptural mates for any reason except fornication continue to commit adultery when they remarry. However, do we have any indication elsewhere in Scripture that people can so sin that they forfeit their privilege to participate in a state, condition, or relationship that they previously enjoyed, even though they may be forgiven? As a matter of fact, the Bible is replete with such instances. Adam and Eve violated God's word and were responsible for introducing sin into the universe. One consequence of their sin was that they were expelled from Eden. Could they be forgiven? Well, yes. Could they ever return to the garden? Well, no. Their expulsion was permanent. They had so sinned that they forfeited their privilege of enjoying that previous status. Good illustration. Scriptural illustration to the fact that, yes, we can be forgiven of adultery or being in an unscriptural union to which we must dissolve, but as a consequence, we cannot remarry. Okay? You may have been found guilty of murder, incarcerated for life, and within the prison cell, you find and seek for and find the gospel. You become a Christian. Can you return to the free world out there? No. But are you forgiven of your sins? Yes. Okay, we can understand that. Esau was guilty of profanity when he sold his birthright, Hebrews 12:16. Could he have been forgiven for his mistake? Well, yes. Could he regain his birthright? No. Quote, though he sought it diligently with tears. End quote. Hebrews 12:17. Virtually the entire adult population of the nation of Israel sinned when they refused to obey God by proceeding with a military assault against the land of Canaan. In Numbers 14, verses 11 and 12, Could they be forgiven? Yes, and they were. Numbers 14, 19 and 20. Were they then permitted to enter into the promised land? Absolutely not. They were doomed to wander in the desert for 40 years. Numbers 14, Verses 33 and 34. Moses allowed himself to be goaded into disobedience on one occasion by the incessant complaining of the nation committed to his keeping. <clears throat> Numbers 20, verses 7 through 12. Could Moses be forgiven? Yes. In heaven, we will sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Revelation 15, 3. But was Moses permitted to enter into the promised land? No. He was banned permanently from the privilege due to his own sinful choice. Deuteronomy 32, verses 51 and 52. Eli failed to manage his family properly, and so brought down upon himself lasting tragedies. 1 Samuel 3, 11 through 14. Though Saul acknowledged his own sin, his disobedience evoked God's permanent rejection of him as king. 1 Samuel 15, verse 11, verse 23, verse 26, verse 28. Samuel never visited Saul again. David's sin, though forgiven, brought several negative consequences that could not be altered. 2 Samuel 12, verses 11 through 14. Solomon's sin resulted in personal calamity and the division of the nation. uh, 1 Kings 11 and 12. These biblical examples demonstrate that sin produces lasting consequences, despite the availability of God's grace and forgiveness. If biblical history teaches us anything, it teaches us that people cannot sin and then expect to have things the way they were before. More often than not, much suffering comes upon those who violate God's will, making it impossible for them to enjoy past privileges, though they can be forgiven, And have the hope of heaven. Many people feel that God would be unkind, unfair, or overly harsh if He did not permit divorced and remarried couples to stay together, regardless of their previous marital choices. Undoubtedly, these same people would feel that God was unfair to Adam and Eve for ejecting them from the garden, making it impossible for them to enjoy the condition that they once sustained. That would mean that God was unfair and harsh toward the Israelites as well as Moses. Such thinking betrays an, inac- an inaccurate and unscriptural grasp of the nature and person of God. It reflects a failure to possess a healthy fear of God. Several scriptures pointing to the need that we fear God in reverence. So, again, well, God doesn't want, God hates divorce. God would want us to be happy. God. God would not want to break up children and families and... (sighs) Yes, there is consequence to sin. And though it hurts, and though there is much sorrow, and though it will take a lifetime of healing, what is right is always right. We don't do what is wrong because, well, it feels right. No, God alleviated the marriage relationship to a high plane when, at the beginning of the human race, He laid down the strict standards that govern marriage. Again, Genesis 2.24, Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. Many apparently feel that they have a right to be married regardless of their previous conduct. They feel that God's high standards ought to be adjusted in order for them to exercise their, quote, right. Yet, the Bible teaches that the institution of marriage was founded by God to provide cohesion and orientation in life. Unlike one's spiritual marriage, in other words, to Christ, which will proceed right on into eternity. Human marriage is for, for this life alone, Matthew twenty-two thirty. 30. Therefore, marriage is not a right, it's a privilege. People must conform to God's marriage rules in order to, for marriage to serve its earthly purpose. Failure to comply neutralizes the ability of the marriage institution to do what it was uh, divinely designed to do. Failure to comply with God's, quote, directions for use causes us to forfeit our opportunity to participate in the institution. We must remember, Father knows best. Father knows best. We will keep fighting the battle won't we? The ups and downs that come in this fallen world regarding marriage, divorce, and remarriage. It's a difficult one because, again, many emotional investments are involved when it comes to this topic. And we don't want to be cold. We don't want to have a uh, heavy hand. We seek to practice compassion and understanding but we cannot compromise can't compromise the truth is the truth and we cannot deviate from that we cannot deviate from that some will not be eligible to remarry some will that's just what it is And the sooner we embrace that and understand its love, its institution, the more so we will understand how to honor and respect the institution and teach our children. So that one day, instead of spending our pulpit time rebuking divorce in the assembly, we will be proclaiming the love and unity of the institution to an assembly who will remain married till death do us part. Stefan, Maillet with you. The article, you can find that over at apologeticspress.org. This is the Early Bird Podcast Sessions, 8 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time from Monday to Friday when we can, and we try to be as consistent as we can with it. But please understand that at times I just can't make it. But uh, please subscribe, follow, like, share, comment, all that kind of good stuff. And we need your support. Get involved. You seeking a good work to support? Go over to addedsouls.locals.com. Sign up. You can support there. Send a donation through addedsouls at gmail.com for PayPal purposes. And you can send us a check. Send me an email. We'll have a conversation. I'll send you the address. The support goes for the Added Souls Ministry. Me and my family, the Maya family, the gospel mission work. All that wonderful stuff. Is that okay? Stay focused, stay positive, Lord willing. We shall meet again for the next session. All right? God bless.